1: If it was easy, everybody would be rich and a great investor. And it's just not easy. You have to come up with the plan. You have to implement the plan and you have to stick to the plan. And if you don't stick to the plan or implement the plan, you're just essentially planning to fail, especially in something as volatile or fast moving as the U.S. stock market. There's just days where you can be up 20% and days where you can be back down 10. And you have to be in it for both sides of that. If you're gonna take the upside, you have to be here for the downside. And to think that almost like if people talk about real estate crashing or things being so doomsday, I even see banks giving forecasts on the S&P 500 dropping by you know multiples of 20 plus percent.
0: Why aren't they selling all their stock? What's going on, guys? Welcome into today's episode of Money Moves. As always, your host, Maddie A, my co host, Mr. Breedwell. What up, y'all? We cover all things stocks, real estate, <laughs> investing, and personal finance to help you on your March to a million and beyond. There is not a lot of exciting info coming off very, of very President's Day holiday weekend. Holiday. However, holiday we've got Day. some, of course, market updates. Federal Open Market Committee is going to be meeting tomorrow. They are going to be discussing interest rates, Mm -hmm. inflation, Mm -hmm. and of course, other key data that impacts the stock market, what Main Street and Wall Street are looking at, thinking about, should be doing. And we got some real estate updates for you guys as well. Amen. One particular key point that I think is going to be interesting to be paying attention to Real estate owned, REOs, distress, Mm -hmm. the number is trending in a new direction. We're going to talk about that today and how that might impact your investing goals over the course of the next year. With that being said, today is February 21st, and we are going to be digging in first and foremost on an update with the market. But Before we do that, I was like, okay, let's go. Let's just keep them on their toes now. If you guys are new to the podcast, welcome. welcome. Be sure to hit that subscribe button. Uh, We get all of these episodes, specifically this one, and our Millionaire Mindcast interviews on Mondays with our guests up on YouTube. You Mm -hmm. can um, search Millionaire Mindcast, and you can get all of these interviews on video. Also, head over to MillionaireMindcast.com. We got an updated website for you with all kinds of resources. If you head over to the store... We got the Tour of Tahoe. We got the Wealth Wine and Dine event. We got the Rich Life Planner. We got all kinds of cool resources for our Millionaire Mindcast family. So be sure to check that out. And if you aren't on my um, deals list yet, you want to know more about passive income opportunities and you are a qualified accredited investor, Mm -hmm. text the word DEALS to 844-447-1555 to get on my deals list. I got some, well, one... Key investment that I'm excited to be sharing out with you. Super awesome that I'm very you know excited. about it. I'm getting um, into it, and it's something that I've been working on for about the last six months. Uh, we'll be rolling out here probably in the beginning of Q2. Mm-hmm. So to get more information on that, this is going to be unlike an investment I've ever offered before. Too, I know, um, and it's probably going to be one of the best I've had like investments like, that I've ever offered before we as have well. Like
1: two or three extremely long term listeners that are in multiple projects with Matt and I that have an inkling of even where it's going towards and are super excited. But I haven't even, I, yeah, it's, it's just, it's it's fun when it's different and it works. Yep. It's also, uh, it's one of those things that you can say is, um, it's very much insulated from recessionary pressures.
0: Yeah, it's an alternative investment and asset class that historically, has not only sustained during challenging times. Amen. (laughs) It is appreciated. It definitely is during challenging times. For sure. If you want to know more about that and you want to be first to know of that offering, um, just text the word deals 844-447-1555 for all of you who have an investment portfolio, especially when we've been talking about getting your financial house in order. Um, this year being a very opportunistic year mm-hmm. and you and or your financial advisor haven't gone through your portfolio with a fine tooth comb, you specifically making sure that your allocations are proper, that you are protecting your downsides, that you're diversified in the way you want to. And I think the biggest thing that we often find in these um, kind of portfolio x-rays is that people are getting way overcharged, fees, 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 fees. So that being said... For all of our Millionaire Mindcast listeners, if you have an investment portfolio and you want Ryan and his team to go through your portfolio, your plan with a fine-tooth comb and also give you an apples to, I guess, apples apples apples.
1: Yeah, because what we do is we have a third party essentially tell you, if you kept doing what you were doing and I was not... What would that look like? Yeah, if you just did what you did, this is what it would look like. Hey, I might do it this way. And this is, what it would, this is what it would look like. And then they put a percentage likelihood on both plans working. A similar plan I just did like uh, last week was like 2.9 million in assets. Don't have to have that much money to do an X ray, but the people had about a 57% chance of uh, reaching their retirement goals versus making some pretty easy and simple changes. We did reduce their fees by about 40%. Um,
0: Which is it, huge when you're talking about that kind of money under. Yeah, management. it was like two, po- it was almost
1: million dollars over their lifetime in difference in fees.
0: And then um,
1: the likelihood of their plan success was like 97%. So it just took some reallocation, some changing up from risk tolerance, we were able to increase their rate of return by about 3% and reduce their overall standard deviation or risk by about 4%.
0: Yeah. So, so whether you decide to do anything or not, just know yeah. that that is a free resource that Ryan and his team offer to all your Millionaire Mindcast listeners. You can text the word X-ray to 844-447-1555 and you'll be able to get connected with Ryan and his team. Mm -hmm. That being said, we've got some big conversations happening tomorrow. Federal Open Market
1: um, Committee meeting. Um,
0: What can we expect them to be discussing in those minutes? And how is the market, at least from your perspective, going to respond based on what you think is going to come out of that discussion?
1: Well, um well, there's been a lot of <laughs> pricing in for what I think some people have priced in a a pivot, which caused somewhat of maybe even like a what we would term a drunk rally uh, over the past couple of weeks, meaning some of the stuff that was going up was not the items or uh, areas of the stock market that we wanted to go. Tech was pretty much leading the way, and we had a lot of really truly beat up names leading the uh, rallies you had stuff like. You know, Twilio, Palo Alto Networks, stuff like that, quality companies long term, but stuff that's had a little bit of a rough patch over the past uh, few quarters. What I think is happening now is the market is indicating to us and indicating to the Fed that there probably needs to be a one more, and I say needs to be lightly because I'm going off of what they would, how they would digest the data. Uh, needs to be one more 25 basis point rate hike. And I think a lot of people are reallocating, taking money off the table in some riskier areas and maybe putting them into other areas. Um, we also had bond yields rally. And so the yields on short-term debt is extremely high right now. You can get almost 5% on a essentially a guaranteed US Treasury uh, note. So a lot of people are piling into bonds as well as piling into equities. Um My expectation tomorrow is that we're going to bounce off the resistance low, which is about three nine nine five uh, if everything goes the the way that I think we should get an indication that there is going to be another interest rate hike, and there may need to be one more after that. I, th- I don't think they're going to put the kibosh on it yet, but that the data that is coming in is still leading towards that that the measures that are being implemented are working. I think that'll calm the uh, the market, per se, um, to a degree. But we also have PCE, which is a huge uh, inflation component that, ba- that they bake in with CPI to kind of decide at the next March, you know, at the next March meeting, the level of that hike. Right. If we continue to get super negative data and the market continues to pull even further, um, that would actually indicate more that they would pause. So for them to continue on their trajectory to raise interest rates, the market kind of does need to be somewhat stable and be able to take that because if it goes into a recessionary spin, which I don't see it doing, even though we've had some pullback in these past few days, um, the, they would then go to cutting interest rates and that could cause a melt up. And that would be where we have stocks, you know, go almost in a straight line forward to then rip almost all the way back down pretty quickly. And that's the other, that would also spike inflation and they don't want to see that happen again. So I think that for those reasons, among some of the other things that we talked about that we can get into, um, I don't see this as being a sustained pullback for too much longer. And I think once people can get a trajectory of where we're going to be between now and March, I think that should stabilize again and we should see an uptick, I'm hoping anything can happen. And there's so much systemic influence in the market that anything can happen uh, on any given day. But as I was think I mentioned to you, and I even commented on one of your Twitter posts that um, I think that the, the no landing scenario is more likely now than soft or hard landing, because I think that's an extreme of either. I think it's going to be a hybrid of both, a little bit of bad and a little bit of good from both. And I just don't think people are ultimately going to care and they're going to keep piling into equities and piling into investments because the time of the market cycle that we've gone through is historically long in tooth. And we have technical data and we have consumer data that still does lead us to say that we have good momentum. I think the report card on the uh, S&P 500 right now is like B plus if you take all of its momentum Indicators and factors. There's some short term negatives, but long term, everything still looks good. And again, I'm a long term investor. So that's kind of how I talk. Um, so when people say, oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to invest. And then seven months later, are upset for taking losses, those are not the type of investors I work with. I, I invest for people for many, 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 many years. Um, so for me, this is a super opportune time for my clients to get into really beaten up names because it's really easy to pick winners when everybody's down. You just have a lot of balance sheet data. You can say these, the PE on some of these stocks, the price to earnings ratio is like six. And the historical uh, PE growth ratio on the S&P is like 16. Mm. So we're trading almost three times below the average long-term PE on a healthy S&P right now, a healthy S&P market period. Why wouldn't I pick up a company like a Home Depot or a Lowe's or a Microsoft or something that's going to pay me 5% and then give me an average rate of return over the next five years of 13%, 14%. So uh, essentially an increase on yield of 15% compounded per year. It just, it makes a lot of sense long-term. So that's how when I say this is still a wonderful time to invest, anytime there's
0: volatility for me and for my clients, it's always a good time to invest. Yeah. I mean, it's it's such a counterintuitive, you know action when emotionally you feel like everything around you is kind of a dumpster fire, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you got the war in Ukraine, you've got, you know, this uh, debt ceiling continuing to be a concern for people on the news. You've got, you know, all of these variables that make it hard for people to just follow the discipline around your financial plan. And that's where, right, this data driven and emotionless decision making when it comes to your money is something that you really i mean i still emotionally get charged up around all the things that are going on around me and yet finding the discipline right to follow my money habits based on the plan that we've set forth with you know um some of my investments with you is i think where a lot of people lose the the stamina and the endurance when it's needed most in the race with your money, which is times like right now. If it was easy, everybody would be rich and a great
1: investor and it's just not easy. You have to come up with a plan, you have to implement the plan and you have to stick to the plan. And if you don't stick to the plan or implement the plan, you just are essentially planning to fail, Um, especially in something as volatile or fast moving as the US stock market. There's just days where you can be up 20% and days where you can be back down 10 and you have to be in it for both sides of that. If you're going to take the upside, you have to be here for the downside. And to think that almost like if people talk about real estate crashing or things being so doomsday, I even see banks giving forecasts on the S&P 500 dropping by, you know, multiples of 20 plus percent. Why aren't they selling all their stock? It's a good question. I, don't I know. just, you know, it's a lot of talk with no action. Are you sure that they're giving you accurate data or is it going to be like in last September when they told you that everybody thought when the market, um, when they said, oh, yeah, we're getting out because it's for you know X, Y, Z. You ultimately have to stop listening to headline data at some point and just go off of your, your plan and what the data tells us. The data tells me right now that we are in a bull market based on the technicals and everything else that is lining up. Short term doesn't look like that. Long term, it does. What so is it's your... It's hard to do
0: that right now. What is your percentage likelihood that tomorrow they talk about a 50 bit hike? Zero. Zero. Yeah. 25? Probably almost 100%. 100%.
1: Yeah. I don't know if they'll say
0: that. I think they what if say- they came out and said tomorrow that
1: they were going to go 50 bits? That would not be good. And I would be wrong. Very, very, very wrong. And I'd have to come back here next week and tell you all about it. (laughs) But I am very confident that that's not what will happen. In fact, I don't even think that... I think that they'll give indications towards a 25 basis point hike more so than they would a 50. But I don't even know if they're going to say the word 25. I think they're going to say that it's indicative that we may need to do a hike in the official FOMC. Some individual Fed chairs may make comments and they're allowed to do that. But those Fed chairs don't make the overall decision. It's a multitude of Feds, Fed chairs that make that throughout the United States. I think the consensus likely at the Fed is that a 25 basis point hike is needed. And they're going to say that unless some sort of inflation data comes out between now and the next March meeting that indicates otherwise, PCE on Thursday being the first one that could do so, um, I don't think that they're going to lean so hard because why did would they have done 25 basis points last time? Yeah. You know, it just doesn't make sense. To well, go I think if they, down, up. if they felt
0: confident that they were getting inflation under control, I could see them, right? And we're going
1: to do 25 again. Yep. Just because, you know, we wanted to, we don't want to jump too far ahead of the curve that we have put in front of ourselves. But we also would rather get in front of our skis a little bit versus getting behind it. Yeah. And I can respect that, even though I don't think, I still think the data points that they're making the decisions off of are a little bit like driving with the rear view mirror or by looking in the rear view mirror. But all the inflation data is pointing towards that we are, you know, oil prices are continuing to go down. Housing prices are steadily going down, not crashing, but steadily going down. Um, and just everything is that that would say, oh, is there going to be a recession? I don't think we're going to have a negative quarter of GDP. I don't think we're going to have multiple negative quarters of GDP. I don't think we're going to have runaway unemployment, which people have been saying for God, how long now? Almost a year. Mm-hmm. And it keeps going in the opposite direction. So all the people that are saying recession, 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 recession,
0: recession, I think they're just all afraid to be wrong. I'm not afraid to be wrong. On, I would be, you know, failing our listeners if I didn't pull up uh, your, your favorite man, Mr. Peter Schiff. Peter Schiff wrote the other day, it took the Fed until 1986 to get the high inflation rates of the 1970s down to 2%, which was a benchmark that wasn't achieved again until 1998, 12 years later. Mm-hmm. The Fed fund rate hit a high of 16.2% in 1986. Today's Fed funds rate is 46 Peter Schiff is basically making the argument that there's still a long ways to go yeah. for interest rates. I think that the fallacy that a lot of the older
1: uh, older people that are in that zone fall into when they're trying to make market predictions is none of them have caught up to the current way that we do uh, certain things. I think what Peter Schiff fails to mention is the fact that we also have quantitative easing. That was non-existent back in the eighties or the seventies. Uh, we had zero percent interest rates, which had never happened before mm-hmm. between now and then. Um, mortgage backed securities were not even a thing. I don't believe until the eighties. So getting a home loan was more different. There's just a lot of things that are different. I guess the way I could compare it is, um, I'm not going to compare a, uh, a 1990 Ford F 150 to a 2023 Ford F 150 and say that all the standard features are the exact same and say, because my 1990 Ford, you know, couldn't tow 20,000 pounds, my 2022 definitely can't, even though that would not be true because things improve and change over time. So, um, that's why it's very, you know, worrisome for me that a lot of people's advisors are older and they have these kind of old school way of doing things without being uh, flexible or have a malleable like approach. I think
0: it's got to be, re- yeah, it's got to be relative to the times and, and the variables in the equation that nobody has been saying since, you know, nobody's talked about
1: back looking data when we had QE a part of it, and that's not, you know, we haven't done that since the 2000s, you know, mm-hmm. mid-2000s. And if you take that into account, if the market starts going backwards, they're just going to cut interest rates. And that's going to save the market. I'm just telling you it will. We saw it happen in 2020. I mean, the, the market did a V-shaped recovery off of nothing except free money. So when money is cheap, people will take it. Uh, do we have consequences to deal with because of that? Sure, we're dealing with high inflation now. The Fed's also shedding off like $90 billion a month of their balance sheet. And they're continuing to do that. And if you do that, you know, 10 times, that's about a trillion You know, or 12 times. that's a little over a trillion dollars. Um, and that's a lot of money that we then as investors buy back. And that's how it happened in 2008 too. And everybody thought that 2008 was going to end the US stock market. Trust me, you can go back and look at that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it just didn't then the stock market's like multiple times larger since then as well. Anytime there's been any sort of downturn or pullback in the US stock market, not only has it come back from that in ways that people didn't anticipate and better than people anticipated, but it continued to move on. And that's, that's just how capitalism works.
0: What do you say to the people that are fearful right now of this exorbitant amount of national debt you know a lot of people talking about the dollar talking about america headed for bankruptcy insolvent to you know service its liabilities and debt china uk germany india italy france and japan combine for a total debt national debt of 31.5 trillion the us is currently around 21 trillion
1: i think china's is about 8.9 or 10 trillion dollars in debt right to our Twenty-one. Yeah, they're about fifty percent of And our economy. Sub fifty two and a half, three times the size of theirs, essentially. Mm-hmm. So if we like line that up, China, if they had the same size economy of ours, would have more debt than us. I think we use that metric. Um, and so, just people theoretically, again, yeah, yeah. Again, that's just... How,
0: so. How do you how do you ease those concerns? Right, if people saying America's headed for bankruptcy. You know, there's all this chatter and narrative. And 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 you know you don't want people. In my opinion, I don't want to see people you know hoarding all of their chips and not getting their money working for them. I want them getting their money working for them and trusting in the infrastructure and the process and the overall landscape and, and picture of what American capitalism has created in terms of wealth for so many humans. So when you hear people consistently worried about the stability of the American economy, the government that is essentially dictating a lot of policy and what kind of spending we are or aren't doing. What do you say to those people to kind of calm those heads and get them continuing to follow the path and the plan that we know can unlock financial freedom for anybody that's playing that game? Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable To making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of fifty thousand dollars a year this mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that how to find how to analyze how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network
1: Most of my clients, they, you know, I, I probably don't have a client that talks uh, too much like that, or they're not a client for too long, because (laughs) I will, I will be like, "Wow, sounds like you know way more than me, so you should go manage your own money." Um, I just think that uh, that's why the old saying is, "You can lead a horse to water, but you can't force it to drink." you just have to cooler heads tend to prevail long term especially in the stock market and you just have to go back and instead of using emotion because that's what that person sounds like they're doing to make uh decisions with your money you have to use like data and we always crunch the data and the data tells us otherwise so if you went to like a hospital and you felt like you were having a heart attack because you weren't feeling good but the doctor does tests on you and it says you're not having a heart attack, you're just having mild chest pains. It's good that they followed the data and didn't treat you like you were having a heart attack because that would be an overreaction, right? Vice versa, uh, you don't want your doctor you, to go to your doctor and say, Hey, I'm not feeling good. I like to run these tests. And he goes, Oh, no, you know what? I have a feeling you're probably okay. Just go ahead and take this and, and you'll be fine. Cause that would be them kind of making that emotional decision and not following the data. When we apply it in other areas of our life, it's a lot easier to, to digest and understand. Just money tends to pull on people's heartstrings a lot more than it should because uh, the fun coupons make the world go round. And so everybody wants lots of them. And when they think that they're losing them, it tends to scare them because um, they don't understand that that's part of the process of making a lot of them. You cannot uh, just make money infinitely without spending money. You cannot invest without taking losses. Uh, nobody wins 100% of the time, you know? So that is just kind of something that lays like an easy life lesson. It's, it's, you can't be on a sports team and always win all of your games. You have to lose sometimes. And just because you lost in the short term doesn't mean in the long term you can't win again. Yep. It's just that simple concept. It's really not more complicated than that. But it, when money gets involved, especially like people's life savings, they tend to forget that sometimes. So my job is to remind them. And if I can't, remind them, and they they continuously forget, well, then they can probably just go handle them stuff themselves because they sound pretty smart to me.
0: Sales of existing homes, which include single-family homes, townhomes, and condominiums, fell a whopping 37% in January from a year ago, and were down just sub 1% from December, according to the National Association of Realtors report, which was just released on Tuesday, it's a big drop, which is a pretty significant drop, right? When you think about, you know, where housing prices were at a year ago to where they're at today. But there still are certain markets that are growing substantially and are continuing to see actual appreciation in those markets. Not my house. Most of the hottest markets are clustered in Florida, the Carolinas, um, mainly Red states. red states shocker um <laughs> there were about 9 and 10 metro areas saw home price gains in the fourth quarter of 2022 even though mortgage rates topped 7% um you've got of the 186 metro areas that were tracked 18% registered double digit price increases over sure. the same period of time which is actually down from 46% in the third quarter so Taking again a hit. Slowdown in home prices you know, are underway. And I think for a lot of buyers, those are welcomed, right? Um, particularly as the typical home price has risen 42% in the past three years. Now, we're also starting to see some slowdown in rent price. Rent price gains declined in December for the eighth straight month um, on an annual basis. But the 6.4% national increase remained higher than pre-pandemic levels in 2019. Uh, Just to give you a little bit more detail on that, U.S. single-family rental price growth closed out 2022 at about half of what it was a year ago, um, coming from CoreLogic data. However, while rent growth has been slowing, it still rose at more than double pre-pandemic rates. Mm -hmm. Rental price gains began increasing near the end of 2020 and have risen by about an average of $300 in the last two years. Annual single family rent growth is projected to slow throughout 2023, but it will likely not decline by enough to wipe out the gains from the past two years. So with that, we still have, you know, our eyes on inventory. Of course, interest rates are gonna ultimately tie directly to the demand and how strong and/or curtailed that demand is. But with inventory, supply is still really, really low. Altos reports. That active single family inventory was down one and a half percent week over week and is still drastically down, um, you know, since pre pandemic levels in 2020. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see kind of how this ties into, you know, the supply and demand conversation based on what the Fed decides to do with rates this year. I think it's going to be kind of a slow, steady, not too many drastic changes type of year in the real estate market. I, I don't think we're going to see any of the you know insane bidding wars and prices and things like that. I think we'll still see um, existing home sales continue to drop. We see reports released this week that National Association of Realtors released existing home sales decreased to, to $4 million in January um existing home sales fell for the 12th straight month in January month over month sales were mixed among the four major US regions total existing home sales completed transactions that included single family homes townhomes and condominiums slid just under a percent from December to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 4 million in January so i find it you know to be Kind of par for the course. There's nothing very exciting about this data that's coming out right now about the home, um, the the home market. You know, the single family housing market. What I did find interesting were there were a couple reports that were were quite interesting. One was housing starts. So we've got a we've got a record here for the first time since they started tracking housing starts in 1974. There were more units built for rent than there were for actual occupancy wow well we have a huge shortage of that correct yeah and this was a kind of a trend that a lot of developers saw and and really tried to get in front of and have you know started as they've gone through the design and the you know approval processes now they're getting ready to break ground on those Mm. so single family starts uh for sale were down 34 percent in Q4 of 2022 compared to Q4 of 2021, and owner-built starts uh, were down 10 percent year over year. So that was an interesting one. And here's the other trend that I'm paying attention to, which I, you know, kind of baited you guys in, to get you a little excited on the REOs and foreclosures. Um, they are upticking. But very small. And I'll show you some data relative to when there was a real, you know, uh, time of distress in the market financially and in real estate. Fannie Mae reported the number of REOs increased to 8,779 at the end of Q4 2022, which is up 23% from the end of Q4 2021. Again, that's, you know, a quarter percentage up. We're talking, you know, Eighty-seven hundred foreclosure starts compared to seventy-one hundred the year before. However, let's put this in context. For Fannie, this is down ninety-five percent from the peak number of REOs in Q3 of 2010, post sub uh, post financial crisis in 2008. That number, so I just shared. This last quarter, 800 or 8,779. The peak was 166,000 foreclosures in Q3 of 2010. We know what that distress and what those opportunities look like. And we know that this is a very small fraction of that number. Now, whether or not this continues to increase over the next few quarters, I think will be important to take a look at. Agreed. But again, we're not seeing massive, massive distress in the single family market, where we are starting to see some distress and some really interesting opportunity. And I think we'll continue to present more of the opportunities is going to be in commercial asset classes. Office is really starting to get hit hard. A lot of the you know uh, bigger markets that had your blue chip and your credit grade tenants that you know did the work from home type stuff and are struggling to get people back in uh, that had variable rate loans that had you know floating terms in their leases those coming due without some of the you know traction that they were hoping to get by now there's a lot there's a lot of empty office space right now yep. industrial is hot you're going to see multifamily probably start to soften up a little bit more cap rates start to expand already a little bit more based on rent slowing um you know based on you know some of the buyers and syndicators out there that got, you know, some of the short-term mezzanine debt that ultimately is starting to reset. Well, guess what? I don't think anybody thought when, you know, uh, the golden goose was flying around that, you know, their mortgage and interest rates were going to be jumping up to the levels that they are now. Hence, some of their underwriting and how they bought those deals and how they are servicing those loans and that debt are becoming a little bit more challenging. So you might see people start to cycle out of some of these assets. And ultimately, as more supply comes in for some of those assets, and the demand still isn't as strong based on, you know, your purchasing power in some of these, um, you know, debt programs on the larger commercial debt, you're not going to have as much demand there. So we're going to see, you know, cap rates begin to expand a little bit. Prices start to soften up a little bit. Um, And I think, you know, multifamily will probably soften and maybe find a bottom towards the end of this year. Um still of course some strong demand there for it. Industrial still being a really hot product that I think a lot of people are are focusing on right now. Your triple net, single tenant, you know, strip centers, things along those lines, I think are going to do relatively well, but there could be some opportunity there. So, inventory still remains low, but I think, you know, Buyers are beginning to have some negotiating power that they did not see themselves having in the last, you know, 12 to 18 months. And I think that's really going to create some exciting opportunities for real estate investors as a whole, whether you're going after big properties or smaller properties in the commercial sector based on your asset class. And that'll be something that we're paying attention to as well. With that being said, I want to get your overall thoughts as we you know, close out the end of February, we head into March. What are some things that you're paying attention to? What are things that our listeners and investors should be paying attention to that could pose opportunities and or threats to their investments? So I think that uh, the main thing is going to be interest rate
1: hikes. Obviously, moving forward is going to be the um, focus on, pe- on people's minds and then the inflation data that's coming in to support whether interest rate hikes are going to continue, pause, People are looking for a pause and then a late um, Q3, Q4 pivot, I think is what people are looking for. Um, If that can continue to happen, the US consumer stays strong like they are, they keep spending, unemployment stays low, and we have moderately positive or just positive at all GDP data, I think that's going to end and bode well for a a decent stock market. And I think we still have a chance for a really good rally through the year end. Um, So stay strong, keep putting your money in the stock market, just make sure you're buying quality.
0: With that being said, you know we're going to continue to track the data, discuss the data, and of course, have a little fun while we're doing it. If you guys aren't subscribed, you enjoyed the episode, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. If you haven't left us a review, it means the world to us. That's probably the one way you can show us uh, some support to help this uh, podcast continue to reach more people that want to be involved in these kind of money conversations that want to be actively engaged with building their wealth, building their network. If you guys... Haven't taken advantage of all the tools that we have over at millionairemindcast.com. Be sure to check those out. Ryan's free financial x-ray for your investment portfolio by texting the word x-ray to 844-447-1555 for my accredited investors that want to know more about upcoming investment opportunities. Deals to that same phone number, 844-447-1555. With that being said... Keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your march to the million and beyond. We appreciate you guys and we will see you in next week's episode. Cheers. Cheers. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of Wealth Building Wednesday. Be sure to tune in next week for more news and updates. If you got some value from today's show, all we ask is that you either leave a review on whatever podcasting platform you enjoy listening to this content on or share this with somebody that you know can gain some insight, some value from it. One of the things that you guys know about Ryan and I is, You know, we definitely won't say we have all the answers and we definitely won't say we know it all. We just want to bring conversation to the areas, the topics that we believe are really important to bring attention and awareness to to help you sharpen your axe, put more tools on your tool belt, weaponize you to make the best decisions that align not only with your financial goals, right, but your lifestyle goals. So if you guys want to take advantage of Ryan's free financial x-ray on your investment portfolio, all you have to do is text the word x-ray, to 844-447-1555. Most people have no idea what they're being charged from a fee perspective or really in most cases overcharged and whether or not their current investment plan is actually aligned with what they're trying to accomplish and by when. And this is something Ryan does for all of our listeners for free. So be sure to take them up on that x-ray, one word, 844 Also, if you are someone who is serious about building your wealth and you're already kind of established, but you want to surround yourself with other like-minded, high-net-worth individuals, be sure to text WEALTHCAMP, one word, to 844-447-1555 to learn more about our intimate five-star experiences with other like-minded business owners and investors to cross-pollinate to hear what they're doing and to have a a whole hell of a lot of fun while we're doing it. And last, if you want to know more about consulting or getting mentorship directly from me or from Ryan, you can learn more by texting the word MENTOR to 844-447-1555. With that being said, that's all for this week. Until next, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March to a Million and Beyond. Cheers, my friends.